0: Welcome to another episode of Fly High Podcast. We're here today with the legendary ESG. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, Me and Lucy align very much with your values, the passion oozes out of you and you've got a huge impact on so many people. So let's kick off with hearing a wee bit more about you. Who are
1: you and what is it that you do? Okay so I am Emma, I am primarily a personal trainer although I also run a mentorship and an education platform and I guess a lot of what we're going to talk about today is more about the coaching side so I have coached probably about 8,000 women now to help them lose weight, feel good, get in shape and I think a lot of the discussion we're having today is about people starting and overcoming those barriers so that's something that has been like a pivotal part in actually getting people results
0: nice um let's just go into the deep stuff then all right we could start off by talking about sort of how frequency was born yeah go for it um was subconsciously born out of a sort of shared vulnerability and authenticity when i first met you yeah um i remember you walked into the gym and you were like oh how are you doing today and you go. caught me at a moment and i was like try not to drown <laughs> you burst out laughing i burst out laughing and we've been rock solid since and I think it was born out of taking that sort of uncomfortable situation that we were going through at the time, attaching meaning to it, how can we turn this pain into a driver, how can we make it impactful and then Frequency was born
2: Yeah. Yeah it was a place of shared vulnerability and I think a subconscious at that point decision to not necessarily always try and look for the positives but try and use that pain and do something beneficial with it and i think essentially what we've managed to do or certainly trying to do is turn pain into some kind of power and create something positive from what felt like a really negative situation at the time
0: yeah have you experienced anything similar to this which what you what would you say your biggest driver is
1: okay so first of all i think i try and take an approach of when one door closes I will try and make whatever I'm doing like, so a really small example of this is my business partner's in Austin. I was meant to go with her, but I'm not going. So when I'm not there, I'm like, I need to make the absolute most of being here. And I think that kind of resonates with what you guys are talking about. Okay. So one part of your life had Mm -hmm. ended, how do you make the most out of these other parts? And I think when you realize that you only have, you know, a certain amount of time, a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of energy to give to, to your whole life, really, it's quite finite that actually you kind of appreciate a door closing because you're like, I can give more now to this other area of life. So I think I always try and take that approach, even if things seem hard or painful. Um, The reason I started my business was because my PhD failed Uh, and I'd done, I think I was like eight months in, I'd started data collection and I won't tell the full story because it's actually (laughs) not great, but there was an ethical approval issue. So I had to destroy all of the data that I'd collected and then they basically wanted me to start again and at the time I was like I can't start again and I was still doing like fitness stuff on the side I was already a personal trainer uh, and I just decided actually that door closing is the push I need to be like I'm going to put everything into this so I think it can certainly be a positive and it's like how you spin it and, and like you said it's not like toxic positivity of like this is a great thing that I've just wasted eight months of my life or like <laughs> that I've had an awful breakup yeah. or whatever it is, but you're appreciating that actually you can take that time energy drive motivation and put it somewhere else especially like I've certainly had similar with heartbreak like taking that amount of like all-encompassing energy and putting it into something positive is certainly a better way to deal with it than many other ways although it's probably still avoidance right it's probably (laughs) still some way of like avoiding how you're feeling but hey it's worked well so so far so
0: powerful and I we talk about this all the time. Like loss is hard. Yeah. You don't want to go through loss. You're trying to, to anything that makes you feel good, keep it. But you have to go through loss to to have the space for things that align with you better. Yeah. And if you're if you're not willing to let go of the thing that you're attached to, you can't you can't move forward.
2: I think something's part of it as well. Like any kind of lifestyle change, like even if it's a good thing, whether it's a change of job, change of relationship family dynamic whatever it is as much as it's a it it can be as you said like one door closing another door opens I think there is that period of adjustment of it's almost like a slight identity change on your behalf as well because although it's maybe allowing you to take steps towards something that aligns better with you and your values there is still that loss of what you believed your identity was with that job or that relationship or whatever it is that you're suffering the loss from Um, and I think that kind of ties in with what we discuss a lot about People know that they want to make a change because they express their discomfort in the current circumstances that they're in, or the lifestyle that they're living. Whether that is a relationship or a job, or financial circumstances, or even when it comes to like the sort of training side of things, like their body confidence, like their discomfort in their own skin, their insecurities. But they remain so resistant to making that change that they they become quite defensive with it because I think it is almost that sort of identity aspect as well
1: i think that's definitely an aspect i also think people are comfortable generally so if you're comfortable where you are like why would you change and you see loads of people i guess accepting like if you want to talk about jobs or relationships like yeah i don't hate this job or like i should be i should appreciate the fact i even have a job like there's a kind of yeah. normal thing that people say and it's like you're living a seven out of 10 because mm-hmm. it's really hard to change from that because it's not awful. Like if you absolutely hated your job, you'd leave. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, nah, I didn't like it and it's not what I want to do. It's very hard to make that change. It's the same with relationships. Like you stay in relationships that aren't awful because the person isn't horrendous. Yeah. But are they the person you want to spend your life with? No. Mm-hmm. And I think like, as you were talking, I was thinking there's, there's often like, it's very easy for us to be like, one door will shut and another one will open. Actually one door shuts and then it's like, A period of time where there doesn't seem to be any doors and then another door opens and that's the hard time like that's like the heartbreak after a relationship before you get into the next one or it's like knowing you don't want to do one job but not actually totally knowing what the next thing is yeah
2: that's where sorry. sorry and you go just when you mentioned there about the like staying in the situation for comfort what approach would you take or what advice would you give to someone then in a, in a situation sort of similar to this so I think people talk a lot about comfort and familiarity and they would apply that to a lifestyle to a job to a relationship to even I've got a couple of people that spring to mind that are close to me and I care a lot about that will often talk about their insecurities or their lack of confidence in their own skin and that holds them back in so many ways so these people are like massively sociable people they're excellent at their job but any opportunity and work comes up where they might have to speak in public it cripples them with anxiety for such a long time leading up to it because they're going to have to stand there uncomfortable in their own skin in front of people and speak even though they're speaking about something that they're excellent at speaking about or social events they're going to be spending time in people that they're so close to but th- that means then having to come out of their co- what they class as being their comfort zone so in one sense it is comfort and familiarity but Could you actually be looking at that as discomfort and familiarity? Because every day they're living in this uncomfortable situation through fear of making that one change that's gonna lead them actually to a place of comfort.
1: Although standing in front of a a crowd isn't comfortable, right? But I get I get what you mean, but like it's stepping because stepping outside your comfort zone isn't comfortable inherently, but then that becomes your new comfort zone. So like I do a lot of public speaking now but I still get nervous and every, every like there's always a next level. So I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm all right talking in front of like these cameras, but then it's like, well, what's the next level to that? Oh, speaking in front of a crowd. And then it's like, what's the next level of that? Oh, speaking not just in front of like people that, I don't know, like say clients is quite yeah. different than like now I'm teaching personal trainers. Like there needs to be like a next level mm-hmm. and it will always push you outside your comfort zone. And it's probably the difference between, I don't know, people who, stay in like quite a fixed mindset of i am not confident mm-hmm. as a person so i'm never going to do these things and someone who's like i haven't learned that skill yet yeah. or i just need to take like one little step further and i quite like being uncomfortable like because then i'm like well that's growth right mm-hmm. but it is hard to get into that mindset and it's not to say that it's particularly enjoyable all the time
2: yeah, mm.
0: yeah. and it's habit as well isn't it so your are sort of 7 out of 10 analogy when people either leave a relationship that's not working for them, or a job, or anything like that. They go from the seven out of 10 to the temporary three out of 10, and then you panic because your mind's like, this is painful, and it tries to run away, and it's, it, it, it's in a habit of that for months. So how do you recognise that you're in that temporary three out of 10, and you, you cannot go back to the seven? Because that's, that's the easy thing to do, isn't yeah. it?
1: You've got to sustain that to reach the nine. Like how that's hard and I guess it's, it's partly having vision and like self-belief but then I think you know there's like a lot of people will say like if you don't believe it you can't achieve it right and a lot of people like if we go back to kind of the fat loss analogy they're like well I've tried to lose fat for my whole life I genuinely like a lot of women that come to me they're like I don't believe that I can lose fat so you have to prove it to them by their own actions and that's how you build confidence right but if I was like to them like you just need to believe that you can be a size 10 They're like, well, I don't, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's like unrealistic to to get people to do that. But if you can believe like, do you think you could lose two pounds in the next month? They're like, yeah, all right, okay. So that's the first step. Mm. And then do you think you could lose another two pounds? Like there's the next step. And it's like breaking down that barrier for them. Really the three out of 10 and like seven out of 10, I mentor a, a personal trainer and she has a really good story about this where she left like a seven out of 10 relationship. She had a pretty good job and like a f- he was like a really nice guy she was like we're still friends like he's amazing he's got family now but like it wasn't for me <clears throat> and, uh, and then she went and lived in her car for like th- so she had a house with him like a mortgage wow. whatever so she oh, lived wow. in her car and she was like I've never been happier yeah. so like I just felt like this new lease of life like I thought that was me set but I knew it wasn't quite right and then yeah I had to go and live in my car but yeah. then I had this plan like I had this
0: that's powerful and that yeah. takes a lot of inner
1: I think to, yeah to not know what is actually coming back yeah. coming next yeah. but knowing yeah. that this isn't enough.
0: Yeah. So th- I've had a conversation with you before and it's about you don't really believe in intuition. So that, like cause I th- I've read two conflicting books on this. Right okay. You talk about thinking fast and slow. Yeah. And it's about intuition the uh, logic. Yeah. Whereas if you read like blink it's about trusting your intuition um and I do believe in intuition why and why do you, let's talk about that Mm.
1: okay so it depends what like the definition I guess of intuition is but I think the aspect I don't believe in is that we don't generally we don't make as many choices as we think and a lot of us are kind of just like flowing through life without realising we're not making these choices so some of the examples from thinking fast and slow and like other I guess like behavioural economics research is so one example of this is there's two companies, and they, they're like very similar companies, similar sizes, in similar places, and they look at how many people pay money into their pension, and one of them has a 90% pension contribution, the other one has a 48% pension contribution. So then they ask the employees, like, why are you contributing into your pension? And everybody says the same answer, because I care about my future. So then you've got this situation where you're like, right, so this company, like almost half as many people care about their future as this company, why? And it's because there's an opt-in versus an opt-out, right? And it's just one simple example of how much of our life we think we make choices at. Like I went to uni because everybody went to uni, Mm. like everyone after school went to uni. So I was like, well, that's what you do, right? Did I actually consciously make the choice to go? Like, Mm. I don't know. Or same with, I speak to clients about this a lot with your food choices. Like you think that you're choosing this, are you actually or was it just that everyone else had a tesco meal deal like is that actually what you wanted to have highly unlikely right but you kind of just go along with the flow and if you're not careful so much of your life ends up like going along with the flow and you're not living with intent you're not making those choices and i think that's what a lot of like behavioral economics tells us is that if you're not careful and this is we'll talk about values later but like if you're not careful you live a life that is just the norm of what everyone else is doing and now we know that the norm and the average is like to be overweight most marriages end in divorce most people don't have any investments at all like if you don't want to be normal you can't behave mm-hmm. like the average person yeah
0: it's social condition isn't is yeah. isn't it like or I like mimetic desire, yeah, right my mum's perfect perfect situation for me would be me shacked up with a husband in Dargavo right <laughs> but I would be miserable with that so it's about recognizing your values and not tying yourself to the sort of social conditioning and that's hard when it's people that are really cl- close to you
1: mm-hmm. and yeah and what other people
0: they, see as success do, yeah yeah. And yeah what other people see as success
2: how do you find a balance between sort of the sort of conscious subconscious thinking there and like conscious subconscious conscious decisions I've, like my kind of interpretation of that is it almost like it ties into that sort of growth gratitude aspect as well. So, if you're trying to be more aware and more conscious of decisions and taking a bit more control of your life, even just down to simple things like food choices, uni choices, jobs, your day to day activities, how do you remain present at the same time? So, you're maybe looking at for the week ahead, you want to make certain decisions, for the month ahead, or for the year ahead. How do you find the balance in doing that, but also just being present in the moment and enjoying things? So, having that like striving for growth but also not forgetting to practice gratitude for the even if it is a subconscious decision the things that are almost gifted to you in life maybe
1: yeah I think that's really important and I think if you don't have the ability to be present then you can never really be like truly happy right because you're always thinking about the next thing or the thing that's just happened previously I mean it's just I think it's like a conscious skill that you have to practice and I don't think I'm amazing at it I think I'm always thinking about the next thing I think it's probably one of my biggest strengths and also one of my biggest weaknesses, which mm-hmm. I think most traits are, um, but I do think that like things like journaling, things like taking a moment just to be like, oh, okay, because I think this is a false dichotomy that people make up, that you have to change from a place that you don't like, yeah. so it could be that actually I really appreciate my life now, but I still want more, mm-hmm. and like, I feel like that's where I am, I'm like, I actually love my life, and like a lot of the time... I'll have a thought of like oh, I wonder when this stops like it's, it's a little bit like too good right yeah I think everybody gets that as well but um, but I think you can appreciate and then still want more or like still want to improve and know that there's always continuous improvement like you're never the finished product
2: yeah yeah it's a journey mm-hmm. isn't it mm-hmm.
0: yeah let's, let's talk about values what would you say your core values are oh. and I guess the crux of what we're going to get to is how do you know that the values you're currently living by are sort of operational for you and you're not holding on to values that don't serve you anymore.
1: So I think reassessing your values relatively frequently and when I say relatively like, I don't know, maybe like every quarter or every like couple of months, maybe every six months or something. And the best way to do this is to list down and I wouldn't have too many like three or four and then rate yourself as one to 10. So say I was like, is my biggest value and then I had to be quite critical of myself and be like are you living in line with this value no I bet like I travel all the time and I barely see my family so I like, I'd, I'd put myself in a two now I have to question is that the right value for me as in am I just saying it because it looks good to say it and actually most people have that in their top three so like I feel like I should or am I not living in line with that value and I need to change the way that I'm living and like only like it's hard to be that self-aware but only you can say whether like this truly isn't that important to me or or I need to change the way that I'm behaving. Mm. And I think same with health. Like a lot of you, people say health and it's like, well when did you last go to the gym? And they're like, I don't have a gym membership. Or like, you know, do you look at your nutrition at all? And like, no, I don't even go for a walk. And like, okay, well you can't say that health is that important to you. Mm. And then you have to decide whether actually it's not a top value. Even though I would say like normally I wouldn't push values on people, but like if you don't have health you really don't have anything. So it is always important but you have to admit like that isn't a priority which I think takes a lot of like pressure off yourself or you have to say I need to change the way that I'm behaving so that I'm living in line with that
0: I think it's so important in decision making Um, like me for example when I got offered the job in Australia I was like we had so many conversations about this and I think you should make all decisions based on your values right but Mm -hmm. my top three would be um, like growth Adventure, so they would both point at yeah. go to Australia, right? But actually, the the my biggest value, which sits overneath over all of that, is, is family. So if I made a decision now based on growth and adventure, I've lived in Australia before, so I would be there for another three years. And I do want to, to have a family and all that sort of stuff. So th- I'm recognising that in five years' time. That I wouldn't align with that anymore, and I would be in Australia like, shit, this is not really what I wanted. I want to be, I want to have kids, I want to be close to my family. So, how can you f- forward, like, say, right, okay, in five years' time, are these, am I going to align with these values? You could know your values just now, but how do you successfully sort of project and think, right, if I live by these values just now, say you're young, you want to party, you value excitement, you value curiosity, and then you think, but when i'm 30 or 35 40 i'm going to value security and family and how do you project
1: that i think two things one is that like your values can change and will change throughout your life mine certainly do um but then when you get to a certain point like if you're making a decision about australia which will be five years of your life then you have to think in five years how will i feel about this and like if you want to have a family and as a woman like how long are you fertile blah 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 then you have to consider is that in line with my values I had a really interesting discussion, like quite a heated debate with the personal trainer about this. So if people don't know, if you go to Dubai, you can essentially avoid tax, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would be like, well, why don't you just go to Dubai, you'd save yourself like, a lot of money, right? But if you think like, what's most in line with my values here, and I sat down with her and I was like, you're essentially saying that money means more to you than your family, because you can't come back for more than 30 days a year, like your whole family live here. and usually people that would earn enough money that they want to avoid tax by living in dubai have more than enough money already right so it, essentially the and this is the way i kind of rationalized it to myself is greed like i have more than enough to do whatever i want so the only reason i would be going there is to save money like is to for greed essentially and then i wouldn't be able to see my family so you, then you're like well that's an obvious decision right but on paper it's like. I'm probably not going to say figures, but like it's like a a very expensive decision that you're essentially saying like my values are worth this amount of money. Which is like an interesting way to think about it. It's about
0: that, that last 15% is greed, isn't it? Like you're never going to have 100% of what you want. So Mm. are you going to risk that 15% extra greed Mm. and lose the 75% that actually makes you happy?
2: Do you think as well? Just when you were saying there about you, sometimes you have to get somebody to ask themselves: like, Do you really value that then? If you're going to be prepared to sacrifice certain things for other values. So, just kind of going back to your example here of Australia, like your some like your core values would be like growth and adventure, but also relationships and family. So, if you're going to say that your top value is relationships and family, then actually you can create growth and adventure, but still hold relationships and family at the top of that list so by deciding to stay here for example you've still been able to like strive for growth you've still been able to create adventure whilst also nourishing your core value of relationships
1: mm-hmm. and i think that nicely comes back to what we were talking about at the start like that door's shut so it, it seems so you to have make, to make yeah, like, most of
0: it and you use your network yeah, more yeah. than i ever would and you recognize how great a community we've got here and I wouldn't have utilized it as much if I didn't have that loss because you go I've given up something massive it's a massive opportunity the only reason that I wanted to go is because I sort of live this go out your comfort zone Mm. so I was forcing myself out of a don't shit out mentality that's Mm. not a good enough mentality to go so but it gives you a bigger driver to make the most of
1: yeah, if I'm going to be here, make the most if out of gonna it. If you're going to be yeah. here,
0: make the most out of it.
1: And I think that's something it that kind of comes about to being present as well. Like, you're here right now. So instead of thinking about where else you could be or the other opportunities you could have, like, f- like forget all of that. Like, you're here. Make the most out of this moment now. Because mm-hmm. there's always, like, I think FOMO is, like, one of the or fear of missing out. It's, like, one of the most awful things that people... It's essentially, like, wishing away time or wishing away, like, the experience that you're in for something else. Yeah and then you don't ex- like get the most joy out of the experience that you're in. Yeah.
0: Another interesting conversation that we had before, your values journal, uh-huh. um, we, were, we were talking about values and stuff and you said that health for me was a wasted value. Yeah. So I find that really interesting, we spoke about this as well, like <coughs> so should you, if you're doing a sort of values journal, and health I only go to the gym every day because I value health so much right so surely no,
1: that's not true though how not because you're I don't think you come here for health every day I think you come here because you love it because the community because you get joy from it like you genuinely love what you do right I'm similar in that I go to the gym honestly I don't go to the gym for health like it's a great side note but like I go because I'm more productive I'm happier I feel better my concentration span is better like all of these things that I get from it, that's why I go. Is that uh, not all healthful? Like,
2: social it doesn't health, fit mental health, it? yeah, it's like, maybe not just, like, physical aesthetic health, but, like,
1: physical health, mental health, like, social health? I mean, yeah, you could claim that, but I think why I said it was a wasted value is because I try and see values as something that, like, I'm striving towards, mm. and at the moment, like, touch wood, but, like, I'm doing all I can health-wise anyway, and it's not hard for me to do that and actually I enjoy it so I don't put it up there as like something that I tick off every day and like actually other things where maybe I'm struggling a little bit more.
0: That's interesting so it's values that are slightly out of reach that you who you want to operate as like maybe you want more autonomy Mm. but you don't necessarily act like that every day you would track that rather than how you currently
1: live that's what I would do and I don't know if it's a right or wrong thing I think it depends who you are but I think if you're like oh health is my top value and I live 10 out of 10 by that every single day it's like almost like what's the point tracking it it's like why are you still tracking your food when you don't have a fat loss goal and you already know the calories and food like what's the point it's like just like or I track my steps every day and I know I get exactly the same steps every day because I do the same thing like there's no need to track that metric
2: yeah I guess that kind of ties back into what you were saying earlier and that kind of concept we've spoken about before of like your life you can almost look at your life almost like a a control room and you've got different dials for different things in your life and where you were saying about like when one door closes and it feels like a loss actually you can redirect that energy and start to focus on other aspects of your life so even though health arguably could or is or isn't like one of your core values because you practice it every day and you achieve it every day Although it can still sit there in your values list, you can maybe dial that down a wee bit, or attention dial down your attention to that, and like turn up the dials for other things that you maybe want to strive more towards.
0: Yeah, would like you say that you
2: lose a relationship, the work dial, yeah. Sh-
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. and you're flying, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: which you might be more fulfilled because you're more aligned with who you are as a person rather than attaching yourself to that relationship that's not working.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I would say the health one kind of like fills up all the cups. Like there's an analogy for this about. A stove and having like i think it's like family health work and then there's another one it should feel like it's probably very important that i can't remember it but anyway the whole point it's is like true. you can only turn up one at a time right so or, or they all have to be balanced so like if you're spending a lot of time with your family your work might suffer if you spend a lot of time with work family might suffer right but i always think that and the analogy goes like if you spend too much time on your health then other areas suffer and obviously at the extreme like i'm in the gym 24 7 but I normally think if you do it right, actually the increase in health or exercise, all the things that compound it, um, actually benefit. Like I know that going to the gym benefits my work because I concentrate better. It would probably benefit my family life, right? Because mm. I show up better for them and because what's more important than like your family's health? On, and if you're taking care of that as an individual, then hopefully everybody's doing that in your family. Yeah. So I think that's the only one that like fills the others.
0: It gives you more time back, doesn't it? Like mm. a lot of people say to me, you've already got a job. Like I'm a manager at PwC, why do you work so much? Why do you do that? It, that must be exhausting, but, but it fills your cup because you're so passionate about it. So actually having extra work that makes you fulfilled, you show up way better. Mm. Um, yeah, How do you think you're a workaholic?
1: Yeah, probably. So, yeah. How but do I don't like the connotations that come with the word work. So even what you were saying, like you've got your job. Yeah. And then this is like I don't want to call it a hobby because it's so much more than it's a passion hobby. project. But like yeah, maybe it's a passion project, right? But you wouldn't be like, Oh, I've got to go to work. Like and I think because most people have negative connotations with work, when I'm like, Oh, I'm working this weekend, they're like, Oh, like that's so like what a shame for you, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, like work includes like, I don't know, going here and doing a podcast, like stuff that I enjoy doing. So I probably am a bit of a workaholic, but most of the work that I do, I enjoy. How do you know you're on the right race? Like, what do you mean? It's
0: a massive question. It's like How, how do you know that you're on the right path? Like, that you're not going to, at 40, think, oh, I ran, ran the wrong race?
1: I don't think you do. And I think that probably comes, like, looking forward and being like, "Will I regret this. And then there's all those books about, like, people's regrets when they die. And, like, no one's ever, like, oh, really wish I'd worked harder. But then if you get a lot of joy from working and it's not the same as, like, what probably, you know, you're looking at, like, the generation before us where actually work might have been, like, quite mundane, nine to five kind of thing. Um, but I think with that question, like, you don't, you don't fully know. I would hope that I wouldn't regret when I look back. But I guess you don't really know, do you?
2: How do you approach it with people then kind of tying that in with knowing that you're on the right journey and that sort of defensive resistance to change thing? And I suppose kind of incorporating the conversation about values as well. Like as a personal trainer, how would you approach it with someone that is expressing to you that the lifestyle they're living is not in line with their values? So someone that's coming to you and saying that they value health but they don't have the confidence to make that change or make that journey. They're resistant to advice or they're resistant to help, essentially. Do, what approach do you take? Do you leave them until they're ready to make the change or do you try and break down those barriers?
1: This is a good question. One, I'm going to leave the values out of it because I think most people don't know their values and they don't, like, I have very rarely had someone come to me saying one of my core values is health and I'm not living in line with it. But what they often say is like, I want to lose weight or I want to achieve this but there's a reason that they're not taking change with that. I think if they're at the point that they've approached you then they're ready to change. What's slightly different if it's like a family member that's like always complaining but they haven't really made any like they haven't approached personal training they haven't joined a gym they, they might not be in the stage where they're actually ready to change and a lot of the time you can feel like you can actually push them further away by kind of Pressuring them into doing that, and it's and, and often if it's someone close to you, you're not the right person to do that anyway. But when it's someone who is maybe a bit resistant to train to change, I think lowering the barrier. So a lot of people might I don't know come in here and think, oh well, I'd have to come here and I'd have to do this kind of workout, and maybe that's something I'm not confident in yet. But actually realizing that when you go from doing nothing to even like a, even just going for a walk like gives you the biggest health benefits when you're already fit, like doing more does almost nothing. And sometimes, you know, you're overtraining, but when you're like that real first start of like, I'm completely inactive, maybe I do 2000 steps a day. If you can double those steps, like that does the world of good for your health. And I think most people don't appreciate that and don't appreciate even just going to like, even just doing some bodyweight workouts at home, like two or three times a week that gives you the biggest bang for your buck in comparison to like if you did an extra training session you'd get no benefit from it in fact you might even be doing too much but if someone who doesn't do any exercise is like well there's no point again that people have this misconception that there's no point going to the gym unless I can do like a full 40 minute workout like yeah. there's every point going and doing 10 minutes doing literally anything from that point so I think trying to get that message across and making people realize that the biggest benefits you're going to get if I'm going from nothing to one as opposed from one to ten.
2: And how do you get through to them that when they're so desperate for such a drastic change, so they don't want to increase their steps, they don't want to feel a little bit fitter or reap the benefits of getting out and getting fresh air, they want to lose five stone, they want to drop four dress sizes or whatever it is, for example, when their goal is up here and you're telling them, don't think about that just now, just think about these bits, but they're going, like, I don't want to just think about moving more i want to cut my calories from two and a half thousand to 800 because i want a drastic change how do you get through to them that
1: actually baby steps are the way to do it rather than taking a leap um i think this comes from a lot of reassurance and realistic expectations because most people give up because they have false expectations they're like i've been dieting for a week why am i not Mm -hmm. in great shape and you're like that's not how, how it works or like My fitness pal said I was going to drop two pounds by now and I haven't and you have to do like part of that's the education side and then the other thing I think is important is realizing that everyone's impatient like everyone I'm impatient I just don't act on it Mm. like that's the difference so when people feel like they're impatient and they're like almost using it as a reason to give up you're like we all feel that like it's just a normal human emotion the difference between people that get results and people that don't is acting on that impatience and when i say that i mean giving up like weirdly i mean i think this is one of the weirdest things about human behavior is that you're more likely to give up because you're impatient but if i asked you how how do you think you're going to get to the goal slower by giving up right so your impatience makes the process take even longer And I think, like, just breaking down people's barriers to that and being like, realistically, it took you, I don't know, 10 years to put on that weight. It's certainly not going to take you 10 years to lose it, but it's not going to take you 10 days. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's harder now to
2: to instill that mindset in people when essentially we're kind of living in a social media world where in every direction you look, there is a million and one different companies that are telling them, sign up to us in four weeks, you'll you'll have hit this goal, sign up to us in 12 weeks. We can take you from this to this dream body of yours do you think that makes it more difficult to try and get people to understand that okay well that might be possible it's not that realistic if you're going to continue living life so you're in and it's also absolutely not sustainable and okay you might achieve that in four weeks but give it another eight and i can guarantee you're going to find yourself back here again
1: i think yes and no so yes like kind of for all the reasons you just said, like it's hard when people are exposed to that and they're like, why would I come to you when you're saying it's gonna take, I don't know, six months and this person says they can do it in six weeks. Like, yeah. no brainer, right? But most people have tried to lose weight before. So you mm-hmm. can use their own dieting history to prove a point. Like, oh, what did you try that time? Oh, I cut all my carbs. Oh, and I got amazing results. And it's like, yeah, but how long did you maintain them? Oh no, I couldn't, like, then I put on even more weight. And you're like, yeah. right, then what did you try? Weight watches, but then I couldn't do this, this and this. And then I put on all that weight, and like, right, so you can see a pattern here in your own behaviour. And when it's from their own history, they kind of buy into it a little bit more. Yeah. And then you explain, actually, the definition of a successful diet is not just losing weight, but maintaining it. Yeah. And, and if you just do this once, you'll never have to do it again. Like, if you do it the right way once, you don't have to do it again. Rather than most people that spend 30, 40 years yo-yo dieting. Yeah.
0: Nice one. So time, time's the most valuable currency, isn't it? And, you, and it is. we know you value time so much. What resonated with you about us? Like, why are you why are obviously here? very successful? Seven, you run seven businesses. Yeah, why are you here?
1: Favour to you, <laughs> genuinely. Yeah, I think you do have to like, as you have more and more opportunities, you do have to say no to more and more things. Um, but I also think it's still important to say yes to certain things. And I think what you guys are doing is exciting and yeah, I wish you all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you.